Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. Pastor Joel is starting this year's study on the prophets. This message is called Intro to the Prophets, and we are in the book of Zechariah. Uh, this is going to be a different kind of sermon today. I'm just going to uh, warn you. Um, I was thinking much like an airplane uh, that it's about to take off. We want to take off in the prophets this year. But before we do that, the old airplane has to like come in for a landing. Uh, so we're going to go like 30,000 foot and then narrow uh, come down. So we're going to see images uh, hopefully come into focus, but a bigger, uh, a broader view at the beginning. So this is really going to serve as an introduction message for this year. Um, so if it's your first time here, you got to be here for a year now. So, sorry, I'm just kidding. You don't have to do, you might not want to be after. Uh, but I'd actually like to begin today, not by reading the text from Zechariah, which is where we'll uh, hopefully land and then uh, go off. Uh, I'd like to begin reading from uh, the letter of Second Peter in chapter 1 and verse 16. Second Peter 1, 16. Uh, Peter says this, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his mystery. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Uh, prophecy. When you hear the term prophet or prophecy, my guess is there'll be a number of images or visions as many of people in this room. Uh, for some people, the word prophecy or, or prophets is a little bit scary and you've seen some fanatical things and, and you're like, I really don't want to have much to do with that. Or, or you could be on the other end and go, boy, it's super intriguing. I'd really love to know more about it. And it kind of warms your, your heart as you lean in. But no, no matter where you are, you, you might feel a little bit confused or, or at least um, intrigued on what, what are the prophets and what is prophecy in the Bible. Well, I'd like to give you this morning uh, hopefully a helpful image or illustration of prophecy as we go through uh, this next year looking at the, the prophets. Uh, a helpful uh, picture for the role of prophets in the Bible. And from 1 Peter, we can see that the role of a prophet is someone who speaks the very words of God and are carried along by the Spirit. It's not something they come up with on their own. They speak God's words as they're carried along by the Spirit. So here's the image I think that's helpful to have. A prophet, a biblical prophet, is something like a covenant sheepdog. A covenant sheepdog. They're men and women 
who are following the command of the shepherd to gather, to warn, to, to corral, to redirect the sheep uh, of God's people. So like, like the role of a sheepdog. The prophets are like the role of a, a covenant sheepdog. One sheepdog can move hundreds of sheep at the will or the desire of the shepherd. The shepherd gives him a command, and he, he knows exactly what to do, and so he follows right along the, the commands of the shepherd. And so I, I researched this just a little bit, and if you're a sheepdog expert, you might know way more than me, but there's like, there's like a whole industry in sheepdogs. Did you know that? Like, there are set commands that you give sheepdogs, uh, that are like industry-wide. Uh, Let me just give you a few of them that I thought were interesting. Uh, the first one is come by. Come by. And it doesn't mean come by my leg. It actually means he wants the dog to circle the sheep in a clockwise uh, fashion. So he's corralling the sheep in a clockwise uh, fashion. Uh, or you could say the opposite of that, away to me. So come by, clockwise around. The come is for the C, for clockwise. Away to me means anti-clockwise, it's British, uh, anti-clockwise, and it means go the opposite way around the sheep and corral them. Uh, get back, kind of understand what that means. The, the, the sheepdog is coming on a little bit too strong and he wants him to get back because he's scaring the sheep. Because the purpose of a sheepdog is not to harass or harm the sheep, but actually to warn and to guide them. It's for their sheep's good. And so if he's starting to scare the sheep, the shepherd will say, hey, get back. He'll also say, walk up, which means go slowly ahead and move the sheep. He'll say, look back, another command, look back, means he's moving the sheep, but a sheep has gotten away. So he would leave the 99 to go after the, the one sheep that's lost. So he'd say, look back. And so the, the sheepdog would know, oh, I, I'm going to double back and pick up any sheep that are wandering. He'll also say, take time, which is just slow down, just, just walk. And then finally, he'll say, that'll do, that'll do. When you say that'll do, it means you've done your job. Well done, good and faithful dog. <laughs> you, you've done what you need to do. You, you've obeyed my command. You've, you've, you've brought the sheep in. You've directed them. You've kept them from, from harm. But the sheepdogs follow the commands of the shepherd. And, and to do this, often sheepdogs go out and they go barking or even snarling. Sometimes they even nip at the, at the sheep. Uh, the big sheepdogs, the literal sheepdogs, not the border collies, will actually lean into the sheep to get them to move uh, somewhere uh, else. But all the time, they're, they're not mad at the sheep. They're not trying to harass them. They're trying to warn them, to guide them, to direct them. They are there. Sheepdogs are there for the good of the sheep and the desire of the shepherd. The good of the sheep and the desire of the shepherd. Now in the same way, you can think of prophets as covenant sheepdogs. They move at the command of the Lord, the good shepherd, and directing God's people. And, and they do this and they're trying to wake us up, to warn us, to, to call us back, to gather us, to direct us under the orders of the shepherd. And often the prophets do this in very highly symbolic or shocking ways. Uh, ways that seem like, whoa, that's a little bit rough or that's a little bit crazy. But they're trying to wake us up because we're going the wrong way. Uh, prophets can be very difficult to understand. But the role of a prophet is very prominent and important in the Bible. And so here at Hollyview, we, like uh, we like to study the whole counsel of God's word. 
And if we're going to do the whole counsel of God's word, one of the most important parts in it is the prophets. And so we don't want to ignore uh, or push down the words of the prophets, no matter how difficult they will be to understand. Uh, and here, let me just give you my cards on the table here. Uh, for the next couple months, as we study Zechariah, uh, I'm anticipating having to study more because I've never preached through Zechariah. I've never actually been in a sermon series through Zechariah. And I think there's a lot I'm going to learn and I need to learn uh, in order to come up here and teach. So that's kind of a little bit uh, a humbling thing. So if nothing else, these next couple weeks are going to be very humbling for your pastor. Uh, so you can hopefully encourage me along the way. Uh, the other thing you, you might hear more often than I normally do is, I don't know. Uh, I might actually have to get up here and go, people say this and this, and I can't tell you. I don't know what this is. And that's okay as we journey together uh, in God's word. Uh, I don't know everything, so I don't know if you know that. I don't. <laughs> so thank you for being patient and kind with me. Um, but let me pause here before we even get into the prophets, and I want to spend just a few minutes at the beginning of the year really uh, reviewing how we come about choosing what we preach at Hollyview, and really the orderly system uh, that reflects uh, something of the Bible and how we preach. Uh, so if you've been around here for a while, this might be, you might be like, oh yeah, I've heard this before. Uh, but there is an intention, an organization, and a structure that we aim to do here at Hollyview in a purpose and order. We're not just coming up with things on the spot. Saturday night, I'm like, okay, Lord, what do I preach tomorrow? Uh, there's actually an order and, an, and a purpose to uh, what we are doing. Uh, so let me back it up. Here's the 30,000 uh, thing. The Bible is organized and given to us in a purposeful way which we hope to reflect in our preaching here at Hollyview. Uh, big vision, Bible has two parts. Uh, this might not be new to most of you. Two parts. There's an, an, an Old Testament and a New Testament. Uh, what we call Old Testament and New uh, Testament. The word testament, though, is kind of a little bit misleading. Uh, because the word testament, we actually translate from the Latin, vulgate, testamentum, which actually means something different than what you might think it means. It doesn't mean like a testimony in court. Uh, testam, testam, uh, testament from the Latin uh, actually is translating the Greek and Hebrew word for covenant. Uh, it's, this, is, this is an old covenant and a new covenant. Doc, they're both doc, covenant documents. Now, a covenant is the deepest of all agreements between two people. It's saying, I'm 100% in, you're 100% in, here's how it's going to work together. And, and the Old Covenant and New Covenant are covenant documents between God and his people. As he goes, this is who I'm going to be for you. And here's who I'm asking you to be for me. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to be your shepherd. You're going to be my sheep. Listen to my voice. Follow me. Uh, when, I, when I say, hey, don't go over there, listen to my voice. Because if not, there's going to be danger ahead. And you be my people. You stay close to me, there's, a, there's a, a covenant document in both the Old and the New uh, Covenant. Now, each of these documents, the, what we call Old Testament and New Testament, both these covenant documents are comprised of three parts. So there's two sections, Old and New Testament, Old and New Covenant, and each of those sections has three parts that reflect each other. Uh, they have three parts. The first part is the giving of the covenant. I'm making this agreement with you. Uh, God making it with his people. 
Uh, the second part then is calling people back to that covenant that have wandered off or are, are going wrong, going astray. And, and the, the second part of that covenant is going, hey, you've forgotten the covenant you've made. Come back. Come this way. It's regathering. It's the prophets. And then the third section of the Hebrew Bible or, or the covenant document is how do we live within this covenant? So how do we live within this covenant in our homes, uh, in our work, uh, as we start a new business? Uh, how do we live in this covenant in my married life? As a corporate church that gathers together, how do we live in this covenant? And so you, you have books like Psalms and Proverbs and Job, uh, Ecclesiastes, giving us wisdom to how to live within this covenant. Uh, these three parts, then, are reflected in even some of Jesus' words as he is resurrected from the dead. The very day he's resurrected from the dead, he gathers with his disciples and teaches them this amazing Bible study that I would love to hear. Uh, Luke 24 and verse 44, it actually reflects these three parts uh, of this covenant document. This is Jesus speaking. And then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. The law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. They represent these three sections of this covenant document. In Hebrew, uh, they call this the Tanakh, the Tanakh. And it's actually taking the letters of each of those sections and using uh, the first letter of it as like an abbreviation, Tanakh, T-N-K. It stands for the Torah, the giving of the covenant, the Ketuvim, which is the calling people back to the covenant. It's the prophets. And then the Ketuvim. The Ketuvim, you can think of as like the kitchen, the kitchen drawer, the catch-all kind of thing. Ketuvim, it's really how do I live within this covenant in all these different areas, and you just pile them on the kitchen sink and just, you know, jump them into that drawer. That's the ketuvim, the writings of how we live within that. Um, the Torah, the giving of the law, is made up of the first five books of the Bible. It's an agreement that God has made to be their God and they to be his people. Him saying, I'll be your shepherd, you be my sheep, and this is how we'll, we'll do it. I'll care for you, you come close to me, you listen to my voice. But even within that first section, the Torah section, there's an anticipation that these sheep are going to wander off, which if anyone of you know people, it's just, that's what we do. We wander off as sheep. So there's two big chapters that I want to point out for you, maybe highlight or uh, put in your brain. As we go into the prophets, these are the chapters that the prophets had like on speed dial uh, in their phone as they're looking up something or in their pockets as they're going Let's look at our situation. Uh, the prophets then are calling people back to the covenant and using a lot of language with these two chapters. So the first one's Leviticus 26. If you have a Bible, uh, you could flip, flip to that because I think it'll be interesting. Leviticus 26. So it goes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the third book, and the 26th chapter. In Leviticus 26, uh, God has made this covenant with them said, I'm going to be your God, your shepherd. You're going to be my sheep. Uh, if you stay close, and I, I'll stay close to you, and this is going to be a great thing. But if you wander off, if you rebel, if you kick against the shepherd, uh, it may not go well for you, or it won't go well for you. Leviticus 26, if you just look on, this, on the title of that chapter, 
you'll see something like blessings for obedience. See that? Blessings for obedience. And, and then you can look, just see how big that section is. And if you notice, it's, it's a couple paragraphs, maybe. And then the next section starts. There's a title over it that would say something like judgment for disobedience or cursings for disobedience. And look how long that section is. It's longer. So even in the Torah, this covenant itself, what do you think it's anticipating? The sheep are going to do great or the sheep are going to wander off? Now, in that covenant warning, if you wander off, here's what's going to happen. The things that you find are like foreign nations are going to come and invade you. Famine and pestilence. Uh, locusts are going to come and eat your crop. Uh, all these bad things are going to happen to you if you wander away from the shepherd. Uh, and so the prophets, what we, what we will look into in just a second, the prophets then are calling upon Leviticus 26 and going, you guys are wandering off. This is what's going to happen. Uh, the next section we see is in Deuteronomy 28. It's the end of the Torah, nearing the end of the Torah. And once again, the title above Deuteronomy 28, if you can look at that. Just give you a minute to be there. So it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, fifth book, the 28th chapter. And the title above that chapter is Blessings for Obedience. Hey, if you listen to the shepherd's voice, things are going to go well. And then if you see that section, kind of a short section, and then what do you see? Cursings for disobedience. And how long is that section? It's even longer than the one before. They've spent, after they got the first one, Leviticus, they've spent 40 years in disobedience wandering in the desert. And now Deuteronomy is the second law giving. And it's going, look, you've already disobeyed. You've already run away. You're about to enter the promised land. This, listen to the shepherd's voice. We move into the prophets then. As the nation of Israel goes into the promised land with Joshua, the section of the prophets starts up. These are covenant sheepdogs. These are men and women that God has sent out to the people to gather them, to warn them, to correct them, to go, you're heading for a cliff, stop. Come back to me. These are not just rogue animals out there just barking whatever they want. They're actually in, in perfect harmony with the shepherd. They're speaking the very words of God as they're carried by the Spirit. And they know Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28 like the back of their hands. So, so when they're looking at Israel and their rebellion and sin, all they got to do is go, look, I know what's coming. If you, if you keep in that direction, foreign nations are going to come and invade you. They're not just making it up. They know the covenant really well, and they'll warn people. Now, sometimes we think of prophecy as future prediction, and I, and I think there is, uh, there is elements of that, like a prediction nature. But more than anything, prophets know the covenant they've made with their God, and they can see, I know, I know where this is heading. Uh, I, I know where this is going to end up. So stop and come back to the shepherd. Uh, another image you might have in your head is if a small child, you say, can I go play in the front yard with a ball? And you're like, yes, but be careful not to go out into the street. Uh, go enjoy. Don't follow that ball. And, and you watch the kids as they get closer and closer to the street until finally the ball goes into the street and you see a car coming and you see your little three-year-old running out into the street. What are you going to do? 
I know what I would do. I'm busting through that door. Stop! Stop! I might even grab them by the, the shoulders and yank them back. Not because I'm mad at them. It's because I know what's coming. If you keep running into that street, you're going to get hit by a car. It doesn't take future prediction. It just I need to know the law of physics. The car is going to hit you, so stop. That's the role of the prophets. The Torah then, the first five books are the giving of the covenant. The prophets are calling back and then warning, if you don't come back to this covenant, here's what's going to, to happen. And now we get to the third part, the ketavim, like the kitchen sink. How do we live in, in covenant? In our lives, in our work, in our marriage, in, in community. How about when we're in a foreign land and we have no temple? How are we supposed to live in this covenant with God? And, and so God gives them these, these writings to help instruct them. Now this Old Testament, this first covenant that's been given, it also anticipates a new covenant because it knows the sheep are rebellious and sinful and will continue to run astray. So there's this promise in the prophets, even in the Torah and in the writings, that there is going to be a day when God himself will fulfill both ends of the covenant. Where we fail, he will fulfill and he'll still invite us into that covenant. And that's where we come up with the, the New Testament or the New Covenant, which also reflects the three uh, sections of the first covenant. There's the Gospels, the book of Revelation, which even sets itself up as a prophet, a prophecy, and then the book of, uh, or the letters that are written by uh, Peter and John and Paul. Both covenants, both documents, and all three parts of these covenant documents guide our way as we build a spiritual house. As we preach here at Hollyview, brick by brick. Uh, when you come one week, you might be like, yeah, that was okay. And you come next week and you'll be like, yeah, that was okay. But if you come for at least three years, you'll get a pretty solid house of the counsel and the canon of God's word as we'll have spent time in each of those sections reflecting and building this, this house. As you become biblically fluent, knowing those pieces, it'll bring you back to the good shepherd over and over again. So we spend a year in the Torah, one of the books, of the first five books of the Bible, and, and in one of the Gospels uh, accounts. We'll spend a year in the writings and the letters as they reflect on each other. And now we're on the third part as we find ourselves at the beginning of the year in the prophets in the book of Revelation. So let me put up there, uh, this is going to be geeky for just a minute. This is a preaching map of what we have covered in blue and red. And what we plan on covering, that's going to be in green. That might be too small for you. I have printouts if you'd like to geek over this later. But this might be overwhelming for some of you. And you just might like, just give me a brick. Like, so here's a brick for you. Uh, but if you're interested in that, I can give you that, that handout. In three years, you will have uh, touched on each section uh, of those covenant documents. Now, this brings us back to why we're in Zechariah. Uh, Zechariah, I, I, I believe, is going to uh, help build us that spiritual building of God's word as it'll point to Jesus. Um, Zechariah is like a covenant sheepdog. He'll warn, he'll call, he'll lean into us. He might even nip at some of us, and it might feel uncomfortable, but it's not because he's mad or he's crazy. It's because he wants us to bring back to the, the good shepherd. He wants us to be safe and blessed by the shepherd.
Prophets are divided into a couple different areas. There's a, the former and latter prophets, and that's just time. So there's, there's prophets that uh, spoke a long time ago and prophets that spoke in this other time. Uh, we're looking at the latter prophets in Zechariah. And the other division we have is major and minor prophets. And this just means length of things. So don't think these are the important ones and these are the less important ones. Uh, think scroll length. That's all it is, scroll length. You have three major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. And then you have 12 minor prophets. Uh, these are uh, shorter prophecies. And there's 12 of them. You can look at them there. But in our, uh, what we're concerned with this morning is Zechariah, which is one of the 12. And it's one of the last three uh, in the prophet section, and actually one of the last books in our Old Testament. The, the last three books, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, are all concerned with uh, words of prophecy and warning and calling to the people of Israel after they've come back from Babylon. Uh, so they were exiled to Babylon. Sin, uh, the prophets warned them, hey, four nations are going to come. Hey, you're going to be exiled out. And they didn't, uh, they didn't listen, and so those sheep actually got exiled to Babylon, and now God's compassion and graciousness and forgiveness has brought them back to the land, and they're rebuilding the temple. Uh, and they end up stalling because they're back to the land. They start building the temple, and they're like, eh, I don't know, is that important? And so the sheepdog Haggai, uh, which maybe you've seen that, if you read that, uh, what it's going to do, it's going to wake the sheep up to keep building the temple. Don't forget, keep building this, this temple. Wake up. And then after he's done, there's like two months later, and then the words of Zechariah, the covenant sheepdog Zechariah, is sent to warn the people uh, who are heading for another cliff if they don't, if they don't turn around. It's not to build a temple. Uh, Zechariah knows that you could build the temple, but if your hearts are not changed, you're going to do the same thing as your fathers did. And so repent. Turn around. Come to the shepherd. So... This brings us to the book of Zechariah. It's on page 745 in your Bibles if you're looking for it. Or there's a little helpful little thing. You might know where Matthew is, about two-thirds of the way through the Bible. If you go to Matthew and you flip back just a few pages, uh, you'll get to Zechariah. So uh, Zechariah, Malachi, Malachi, and then Zechariah is right before that. Say so page 745 in your pew Bibles. Um, I want to read six verses this morning. Make one observation and then call us uh, back to, to worship. Uh, I want to read the first six verses of uh, Zechariah. And I think of him like this covenant sheepdog who's listening to the voice of the shepherd, calling for his people to return to the shepherd, to don't go the wrong way, to wake up. Uh, he wants them to be blessed and not cursed. Uh, verse 1, Zechariah 1 and verse 1. In the eighth month... In the second year of Darius, or Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, saying, The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts. Uh, just pause right there and just mention something. The Lord of hosts is, is mentioned 260 times in uh, the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, and 80 of those times will be found in just this short book of uh, Zechariah. The Lord of hosts is by far his favorite name. It's the Lord of armies, uh, angels' armies. It's the Lord of power and might, the Lord of, of hosts. So back to verse 3. Therefore say to them, thus declares the Lord of hosts, 
Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers to whom the former prophets cried out. Thus says the Lord of hosts, return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servant, servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? So they repented and said, as the Lord of hosts proposed to deal with us for our ways and deeds, so has he dealt with us. We'll stop right there. Zechariah is like this covenant sheepdog that's sent by the shepherd to warn the people, to gather them back away. Come to me, away to me, bring them, take, take time, come to the shepherd. Don't ignore the barkings or the warnings of the shepherd. They're not meant to harm you, they're meant to bring life and blessing. And we're introduced in this letter, the Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo. Zechariah, son of Berechiah, son of Edo. And maybe for you it's like, okay, why tell us these names? But names in Hebrew writing are very significant and also tips his hat to the kind of tone that he wants to set for the rest of the letter. Each of those names have significant meanings. So if you're, even if you write, if you write in your Bible, write, write these names, the definitions of these names or the meanings of them above your Bible because I think it'll be significant as we go on uh, to feel the tone of what uh, the, words of, the words of Zechariah from the, the shepherd are like. Zechariah, the name means the Lord remembers or Yahweh remembers. This personal name of God, he remembers when we think remembers, we think, oh, that I forgot something and now I remember it all the time. But that's not God. He never forgets. So when it says he remembers, it means that he moves and acts always with what he promised in mind. It's not like he'll do something contrary to what he has promised and then be like, oh, I forgot. Now I'm going to remember. When God remembers, he's continually moving and acting as to what he promised. The Lord remembers. Now, now think about uh, if you have returned from Babylon, from sinful forefathers over and over and over again, sheep that have wandered over and over and over again, and, and you think, has the Lord forgotten us? I mean, I know we're back here, but, but is he going to come back? And you hear the words of the Lord remembers. He hasn't forgotten you. No, no matter where you are, no matter your history or your experience or anything that comes before, you hear the word, the Lord remembers. He's going to move. He's going to act. Zechariah, the son of Berechiah. Berechiah means the Lord blesses or the Lord will bless. Yahweh, this personal God, wants to bless. His intention, this covenant relationship is all about blessing for the sheep. So Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the Lord remembers, and the Lord will bless. And you're sitting there in your health situations, in your problems, in the difficulties, and the relationships breaks down, and you're like, yeah, I get it, but when? How long do we have to be struggling with this? How long do we have to wait? We waited 70 years in Babylon, and now we're back. We've rebuilt the temple. When, Lord? You say you remember. You say you want to bless. When? Have we messed up so bad 
That God's promises are like, ah, forget it. I'm just, I'm going to throw the whole thing away. Has he just abandoned us? When will he return? When will he bless? When will we be with God once again? Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the Lord remembers, the Lord will bless, son of Edo. Edo means timely or at just the right time. The Lord is never slow in keeping his promises. He has a set design and purpose and plan, and he will act on the promises that he's given. He will bless people, but at the, at the right time. And so you're sitting there in Jerusalem. There's bricks all around. It's been destroyed by Babylonians. You're back rebuilding things, and you have somewhat of a temple and you're like, Lord, when? When is this coming? When are things going to be put to right? When will, you, when will you bless again? In the words of Zechariah, then, speak to the people. He says words of comfort and of hope. It's a sheepdog going out and going. Uh, he want, the shepherd wants to gather you again. He wants to bring you back in. And at just the right time, he will. Yahweh is not slow in keeping his promises. He's not too weak. He's not forsaken you. He's not forgotten about you. He will move. He is sovereign. He is powerful. And at just the right time, he will act according to his desire. He's never early. He's never late. Zechariah gives words of comfort and hope in this. The shepherd sends the people covenant dog, uh, covenant sheepdog after covenant sheepdog over the years, and the people continue to wander and to rebel. There's sin and evil in the hearts of all humanity that causes us to wander. So at just the right time, the shepherd goes, I will become one of the sheep to fulfill both sides of the covenant, to pay the penalty from where your sin and rebellion has brought you and call you to myself. Isaiah 43, another of the prophets, in verse 4 says this, Surely he, speaking of this one who's going to come as a sheep, surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Now listen to this, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all the sheep. He, this one that got all the punishment for our sin, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that has led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He, he willingly gave his life for each one of you. And the good shepherd is still calling today. He's patient and kind. He's sending the sheepdogs out to go, if you're going the wrong way, I, I'm, turn around. Why are you going that way? Wake up. And maybe this morning your ears have grown dull and you need the words of Zechariah to wake you up, to, to turn, to turn to the Lord to hear his call. Maybe you're heading down the wrong way over the cliff and you see somebody like, man, this, this message is a little like pushing me a little bit. But it's not for your bad, it's for your, 
It's for your good and the shepherd's desire for you to bless you. So if you look in the first verses, it's always turn, return, turn, turn, because we're prone to wander. Turn to the shepherd. And that's the call today, and it will be every day until we get taken to be with our shepherd, Yahweh. Let me pray, and I'll invite the worship team to come back up. Lord, uh, I don't know where everyone is this morning, and as they hear these words, uh, we know in our own hearts we're all sheep, and so we're all prone to wander. Lord, and as people come, and, and even the prophets, and they, and they bark, and they give these like very interesting uh, images and words, and uh, sometimes hard to understand. Lord, in that, would you use your spirit to wake each one of us up, Lord, that there would be a revival in each one of our hearts, even as we enter into a, a new year, that if there's ways where we have uh, wandered off, Lord, would in your graciousness and kindness, as, as you send... Uh, people to speak into our lives, that you use the word to convict and challenge and, uh, and move us closer to, to you, the good shepherd. So I pray that we would respond now, even in our hearts as we worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212, between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.